Welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church, and I'm super excited to continue our series of Theology 101. Are you guys theologians yet? I think so. If you've been following this along, man, you're getting a, a good a good grasp on what the doctrines of the Bible, what doctrines the Bible teaches. And so um, unlike biblical theology, we are going through systematic theology. Systematic theology is kind of a summary of all the doctrines that the Bible proclaims um, to be. So we've been going through the Ten Commandments, we've been looking at the moral law, whereas biblical theology traces the story of redemption starting in Genesis, ending in Revelation. So systematic theology has to ask the question of what does the Bible teach? And we've started from God's Word, the purpose of living, who God is, and we've worked our way down through redemption, looking at our Redeemer, Prophet, Priest, and King, how God has saved us, the benefits of redemption that we have, and now we're at man's duty. And so, obviously, as we've already covered, that we are now, those of us that have been saved, we're in the covenant of grace. And if you have been saved, you've been justified, you're being sanctified, you will be glorified, you've been brought into union with Christ, and so um, you are saved by grace, not by works. And so now, now that we are saved, how then should we live? And the Ten Commandments spells out um, God's moral law, who God is in his moral character, and how he has made us in his image. These moral laws are written on every human being's heart, but for the Christian, we have even more revelation because we, we know the Word of God, and we see that these things are pleasing to God. And as Christians, we want to please our Creator. Do we not? Because we've been saved by grace. We've been brought into this relationship with Him. And so we've looked at the first table of the law, which have to do, has to do with our worship of God vertically. And now we're in the second table of the law. So first table of the law, first four commands. Second table, commands 5 through 10. Command 5 is all about, and remember, God is establishing His nation. He's establishing the bedrock foundational truths that transcend time, transcend covenants, okay? This is God's moral standard, and so these moral standards didn't end when the old covenant ended. Um, These moral standards still apply today. In fact, they're found all over the New Testament, which we will see. And so God is starting a nation, and it's so interesting to think about what is foundational. First, it's the worship of God. Second, it's a particular way in which we're supposed to worship God. Third, it's the attitude of our worship. And fourth, it's the time of our worship. Those things are vital to nations. Then command five, what is bedrock foundational is the respect of authority, starting in the home, the establishment of the home, but also the establishment of government and civil authority is honor your father and mother. Okay, and then chapter six, what's also foundational is the sanctity of life. Now, cha- or sorry, not chapter, command six. And command seven now is about safeguarding and protecting the marriage by looking at the sanctity of marriage, which, what does it have to say? All right, question 70, what is the seventh command? The seventh commandment is, you shall not commit adultery, Exodus twenty fourteen. adultery. Okay, so what is the positive aspect? If you're like, okay, I'm not married, I've never committed adultery, I'm good. At you should listen. What is the positive aspect? What is required of us and what is forbidden? So question 71. Let's see if you're off the hook or not. Question 71. What is required in the seventh command? Answer. The seventh command requires us to preserve our own 
and our neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. So that means that it's not just the physical act of sleeping with someone that is not your wife. That's not the only thing that constitutes as adultery. It's anything um, that breaks um, keeping your neighbor or yourself pure in heart, speech, and behavior. Where do I get this from? 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 3, um, and, and verse 5 says this, but because of, sorry, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to one another. Uh, devote yourselves to prayer, sorry. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And this is the context of 1 Corinthians 7 is he's talking about those that are in marriage, that um, if you are married, your your spouse is is yours. You are one flesh. And you are not to uh, have any sexual relationships with outside of that relationship. In fact, you're called to preserve it. It, this command calls us to preserve our own and our neighbor's purity or chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Did you hear that? That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so are you actively, actively in your life, whether single or married, preserving your own or your neighbor's chastity, your purity in heart, in speech? Are you joking about sexual things that you should not be joking about in your behavior? Are you doing things in private that are, are meant for marriage, that are sexual in nature, that are... It, it, that are breaking God's law, that are sexually immoral? In your heart, are you thinking impure thoughts? This command calls you to preserve your own and your neighbor's purity in heart, speech, and behavior. So then what does it forbid? What does it forbid? Question 72, what is forbidden in the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment forbids all impure thoughts, words, and actions. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 5.28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in her in his heart. Why is this considered? Why is lusting after a woman or lusting after a man in your own heart um, called adultery in the eyes of God? Because adultery, the physical act of adultery, starts in seed form. It starts in the heart. It starts in your thoughts. When you begin to look upon other people who are not yours and committing adultery with them in your mind and in your heart. When you lust, that means crave, desire, uh, things that are forbidden. Proverbs 7 talks about this, the man who walks down the prostitute's uh, road, and, and she beckons him, she calls him, she's prepared the bed for him, he, you know, with spices and incense and, and, and roses, and sooner or later, like an ox led to the slaughter, he is, he is killed by her. That's what sexual immorality does. And so what is forbidden here are all impure thoughts. Ephesians 5, uh, 3 through 4 says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity 
or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Then he says in verse 4, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Here we clearly have a reference to the seventh command, which forbids all impure thoughts, words, and actions. One commentator says, ask the question this, what kind of computer games do you play? What kind of television or video programmers do you watch? What kind of websites do you go to? What books are you reading? What off-color stories or the way you dress, are, are those honoring, are those preserving your purity? We need to watch every caref- every watch very carefully what uh, that we do nothing that is impure. God means for men and women to grow up and marry. That's normative. That's a normal thing that will probably happen. But those who break God's rule of purity by sex before marriage or uh, through pornography or any sexual immorality, um, they do unspeakable damage to their future life in this world, not to speak of that which is to come, especially if they don't repent. They rob their own manhood, this theologian says, or womanhood, of joys God meant for them and lay up for themselves a store of unhappy memories and deep regrets, and they sin against God. Friends, if you're listening, this seventh command is all about, it's for your good. God wants to protect protect you. And if you have fallen into breaking the seventh command, then repent. Turn from your sin. Run to Jesus. It shows you your weakness. You need Jesus to help you. And what's so great is that now that we're Christians, if, if we are saved and brought into union with Christ, we have died to sin, we live to righteousness, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us. This is what the seventh commandment is all about. So definitely more than just the physical act of adultery, right? Thank you so much for listening to this uh, to Theology 101. I'm so glad that you've been listening faithfully. We're going through the Ten Commandments, and so we'll be looking at uh, uh, Command 8 next time. Um, if you want more information about our church, go to RedeemerRockford.Church. We'd love to see you on a Sunday, or if you're a student on a Wednesday night, or if you're in college on a Thursday night. Or I should say 20s, not college, on a Thursday night. But thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was edifying, helpful for you as we dive into the what God loves. This is what's pleasing to God. So um, I, I pray that you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening.